Thanks for joining us for Episode 5 of Season 2 of Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and I'm thinking of something that tells time. The clock? No, 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 something you wear. The sweater. No, something you wear that tells time. A sweater with a clock on it. Yes. We would totally win $10,000 pyramid. Sure. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business. And when I was a kid, a friend of mine brought his fly-by-wire airplane over to play with. Well, he was flying it just fine, but we had a cat and a dog who started fighting around the same area. And my friend started paying more attention to them than to the plane. He lost control and the plane started chasing us all over the yard. It was quite a show. The cat dog fighting in one corner, the plane chasing us around the yard in the other. It's kind of your own little mini North by Northwest with a cat and dog. Yes. <laughs> On today's show, we talk about constructive criticism. Then we interview Brandon Horvath with the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center about business budgets. At the end of the episode, I get to show off my grilling knowledge with a quiz Jody has come up with. Woohoo! Now, without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. For today's big topic, we wanted to tackle the, I guess, subject of giving and receiving constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. But before we start, when I was doing some research on this, I saw recommendations that you call it constructive feedback rather than criticism. And I'm wondering, does that change the concept? Do you, I mean, do you like someone saying feedback rather than criticism? Because criticism in in and of itself really could be positive or negative. I mean, if you are a, a movie critic, you are doing, you know, both positive and negative, I guess. But does it change it for you if you say, if someone says they want to give you some feedback? To me, the word critic has assumed a kind of a toxic yeah. uh, definition or, or feel. And I think that uh, when you criticize something, it's almost inherent that you're jumping on it and saying something negative. Yeah, I agree. So it's kind of, I, I don't prefer criticism. I think feedback is a better term. Yeah, sometimes I like when people try to change the terms, I'm thinking, well, are you really? But in this case, just to your ears, like... Constructive feedback versus constructive criticism, to me, I kind of like, yeah, I kind of cringe a little bit when I hear criticism. Yeah. Like, I already get myself in a defensive mode. So, so for this conversation... Do you, do you arch your back and stuff? And I do. Hissing? Like, just like a cat. I want to look bigger and I, and threatening. Threatening. And, and that way, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for whatever criticism is to is to come. But for this, let's let's just right away change it and say we're going to talk about constructive feedback because feedback can be both positive and negative and constructive doesn't change criticism enough no it doesn't soften it enough i i, I don't think yeah i don't think it does you know a lot of managers and, and people who own businesses are in the position that they have to get things done efficiently mm -hmm. and i don't think that if you immediately bring that criticism aspect the the, the connotation into the conversation then you're probably going to be more apt to make more progress with the person that you're talking to. Less defensive from the outset, as opposed to 
you know, you say feedback as opposed to criticism. Right, right. Someone's going to be more accepting of that. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, I agree. So we'll let's refer to it as constructive uh, feedback. See, I have to, I have to check myself. <laughs> constructive feedback, um, and kind of like talk about that in terms of because we've we've had a work history before working together. So we've both at some point in our careers have either had to provide constructive feedback to someone who works for us or received it from someone we worked for. Um, what did you find when you were, say, uh, a young audio engineer hearing some constructive feedback? What really resonated with you? What What made you say, oh, I see, as opposed to what? You know, I'm kind of a unique case. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have great managers and great kind of Sherpas to lead me through that initial phase of my career and to instead of employ that as a negative or as a pejorative, I guess, sort of a thing. Is pejorative a nasty word? Does that mean nastiness? I don't, honestly, I don't know. We have to. Instead of using that as a negative mm-hmm. or a, a sort of a, a disciplinary action, they would use a mistake that I made as a teaching moment. And that did wonders for my buy-in and my feeling that I have skin in the game uh, above and beyond any pay that I got for the job or any experience that I was getting. This was growth. That's the whole point yeah. of it being constructive. I mean, I think that not every manager has the skill set, I guess, to provide feedback in such a way. And you were lucky in that situation because I've had managers who were not. Um, well, I've had those too. Yeah, I think everyone has. And you learn as you as you get more work experience that, okay, this person doesn't know how to give me this feedback in a way that is a learning opportunity, but maybe yeah. maybe you have grown enough or you determine it's a learning opportunity. But yeah, it is important, I think, for people who manage other people to look at this as a learning opportunity and give them real, true, honest, like the feedback that's very specific, that offers like, here are some things that you can do to be better. The more you can do that the more that you can put people in the position to learn from their mistakes. Instead of saying, you're doing a terrible job, say something to the effect and make it true. Don't just say it, but make it this way that you want to give them the tools to be able to take their career to the next level, Mm -hmm. to take what they're doing to a higher level. That benefits them. They can see that benefit and make sure that they can when when you're talking about it. It also benefits your company. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I know some people like to do their feedback in something called like a um, uh, sandwich, a feedback sandwich. So they might give like a positive, then the negative and the positive, which, Uh you know, I think if done well works, if done in such a way that the person clearly sees that you're struggling to do this, you know, if depends on the thickness of the bread slices. Exactly. Sure. And yeah, and if they are and if they're fresh and authentically made bread slices. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just like, you know, one of those little thin crackers and a lunchable. Three day <laughs> ciabatta or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. It, because it really I mean you do need to be authentic because then it, it you know, the whole point of the feedback sandwich is lost. It just becomes a oh, here it comes. Now I do think 
this sort of comes into play with knowing the person type, the personality mm-hmm. type of the, the person that you're sitting with. If you know them well enough to know that, for example, they're a very direct, no-nonsense type of person, mm-hmm. maybe that bread slice should be a little bit thinner. Yeah, that's true. You, that's true. You, you stage it still the same way that you're giving constructive feedback on something, whatever the the issue is or whatever the challenge is, and then you get right to it. Yeah. If it's a person that's like a beautiful, tender, gentle butterfly, <laughs> and you know all workplaces have those, then mm-hmm. you're really going to have to be a little bit more. Oh, I'm a delicate flower. You know that. Sure. So the bread slice gets a little bit thicker. Yeah, we're talking like the full on. You know, again, that the ciabatta, the you know thickness of that the fresh ciabatta. Yeah, like a hoagie. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. It has that, that authentic ring to it. And you're right. It, being a manager of people is also it's also required of you to know people. You you when when people say you know I have people skills, well you've got to know is this person like you said very direct. Is this person a carrot person or a stick person? Yeah. Not that you, I mean, most people are not going to say they're stick people, but like, you know, they really do like the, you know, the perk or the, the happy, like, you know, this is good kind of, you know, more happy carrot you know, motivation. Yeah. But there are some people who do respond well to it being very direct. So, you know, it's funny you're talking about that because mm-hmm. I was recently reading on Forbes.com. You know, station, we've talked about this before, station WIFM is always on the air. Yes. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. People respond to rewards, but they don't have to be monetary rewards. Right. There's such a thing as social currency, mm-hmm. and that can manifest, uh, according to the Forbes site, uh, like public accolades. You yeah. can single out a person and in their team meeting or if you're with the other team members, point out what they did to help solve a problem or to improve their game or, you know, help the company. Whatever happened that you feel like is praiseworthy. And don't just do it to one person. You know, go through your team members from time to time and make sure the other team members are there, too. Right. So that they feel like that they're recognized their accomplishments are recognized and it will counterbalance sometimes some of the negative things that may come in a constructive feedback session yeah i I like that that approach because you're right there are some people who it it isn't about the reward like you know the monetary reward or whatever you know might come from the job as much as they do want that you know at a girl at a boy kind of kind of moment yeah yeah, it it makes them uh, feel like they've got more again skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a connection that's sort of intangible, but it it will make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's also a couple of other things. Leadership opportunities. Yes, is another way you can uh, sit down with someone during a constructive feedback, feedback session and say, "Let's take you to a higher place in your working here. Why don't we set some goals?" Mm-hmm for not just your performance, but for some extra things that will go into your performance, and I'll help you with these. And so that we both have this shared goal, when we achieve it, we can give you extra responsibility. We can give you, uh, maybe you can become a team leader. Well, for me, that actually, in my work history, definitely rings true. When I would work at a company I particularly when I was young and yes monetary 
I, I definitely wanted the increase in my, my, you know, my finances to come with achievement. But I also loved when I was recognized for what I did, also allowed to be kind of what I thought was in the inner circle. Like I am part of the core team. Sure. I've been selected because they see me as a potential leader and the future of the business. Absolutely. I really, it really resonated with me when that kind of thing happened. As it will with most people. Exactly. And I, and I didn't, I guess I couldn't have verbalized that when I was younger, but looking back, yeah, I absolutely loved it when I would be working at one job and then say someone in another department or my supervisor was like seeing a path for me and including Mm -hmm. me in more higher level meetings or higher level discussions because I saw a future like that. I was always wanting to strive. And if you have employees and maybe it is most people do like that. Some people may not, it may not resonate with them, but if you see someone who, you know, wants a future and wants to strive towards something, the more you can lay out a path for them, the better. And that feedback, if they know this feedback is helping me on this path, it becomes constructive. And if you feel that the leadership opportunities or some of the public accolades may Mm -hmm. not work with a particular person, you can offer them something that's really tangible, like extra time off. Yes, there are people who... At the end of a a particular work period, you say, let's accomplish these goals, then you you get a three-day weekend. That actually is surprisingly motivating for a lot of people. Um, I know that I've worked at places where there were uh, fundraising goals, and part of the, um, I guess, if they achieved the fundraising goal, then the whole office got the week between Christmas and New Year's off. Oh, wow. So, so you reward the entire team. You would reward the entire team. Yeah. That has its pros and cons as well, because then those of us who are not directly related to the fundraising component either we could kind of help out but we sometimes we also got a little bitter like we didn't we met our goals but it did kind of incentivize the people who were doing the fundraising and for the most part while i was there we every year made that goal but um it's for the people who this is what they wanted to do they they weren't going to move up to a different goal but they also had family and they had things they wanted to do this Mm -hmm. was one of the best perks they could get and so that time off or that extra gift of some kind that something that is outside of work was a great great motivator mm-hmm. so we've talked about tips when giving um criticism or in this case i'm sorry feedback, feedback i yeah. gotta get used to that feedback there you go what do you think are some tips when you're receiving feedback transparency okay I, and i've had managers that do this they will call me in and say well you know <clears throat> there has been such and such happen." And thus and so has happened. And then this resulted, then that resulted. And I don't have any idea what they're talking about. Right, And right. then it's it becomes a guessing game. And you're sitting there trying to figure it out. And, and you, you start feeling defensive. You know, that's just human nature. If there isn't transparency and it isn't a direct person-to-person communication about you specifically. Right. And about your work specifically, then you may as well forget it. Yeah, it's very hard to receive feedback when it's when it's vague or when it's something that maybe even your manager doesn't know what your role was in it, but you're clearly, you you want them to know what your role was and maybe yeah. you had nothing to do with the wrong 
outcome. Right. Yeah, it's usually managers who are uh, conflict averse. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. maybe their manager, the person they answer to, has told them that they need to start pressing on these matters and get the, the situation or the process figured out. Right. So you're part of that, and instead of citing one person, figuring out one person that's you know going astray, you bring the whole flock in one by one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're malicious in doing that. They just have that conflict avoidance. So they don't want to actually talk to the person whose main role caused this. Well, they, they just... may, yeah, they may talk to them, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be like, okay, we think that this is where it's going wrong, and here's what you're doing to cause a lot of that. Let me help you take this to the next level. Yeah, so They'll being specific is a... very important. Yeah. And then on the when you're on the other side, if you are receiving this feedback and it's not. I guess, working, you need to ask questions sure. so that it does become more specific. Mm-hmm. I know I've had a history of being defensive and, you know, because work has always been a huge definer of me and my value and what was important to me. And when someone offers feedback that is not favorable, it you can't help but make it feel like a personal attack. So trying to remember if you are receiving this feedback, it's not a personal attack. It can be an emotional time. Yeah. And you you got to remember to diffuse that as much as possible on both ends. Mm-hmm. If you're the person giving the feedback, um, once again, the suggestions we just offered will help you do that. If you're the person receiving it, taking that emotional component out of it as much as you can, put your listening ears on, make sure that you understand what your manager or your boss is asking of you, and then get on the same page and go from there. Yeah, and if you're a couple running a business, micro business or small business, you just do what I say. You just do what. <laughs> no, you you are probably in a smaller business, so being sensitive to offering feedback that is clear, concise, and offering an opportunity to do better is even more important because it is yeah. a small team and yeah. you are in this together. Um, that being said, though, ultimately, I'm kind of feeling like in this case with constructive feedback. It's better to give than receive. I concur completely. We had the chance to visit recently with Brandon Horvath, the consulting manager with the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center, about planning your operating budget in a small business. Here's what he had to say. Thanks, Brandon, for joining us. Um, One of the things we wanted to talk about, and um, I'm sure you are, as well as we are, big fans of The Prophet. Love watching that show. Definitely. But it's it's hilarious, though, when you see some people who, first of all, they always have to have their numbers. Why they don't have their numbers ready? They know he's coming. Right. He's going to ask for their numbers. But we wanted to talk about these, quote-unquote, numbers today in um, in business. And, and one of the things we notice a lot of business owners on that show will say they don't get a salary. And I'm wondering, is there a time when that's appropriate, like the first year you're in business when things are in trouble? Or is that just setting yourself up for not being able to ever get a salary? That's an interesting question because I noticed that common theme through the profit as well. And working with small businesses here, it's it's really, really interesting. We have worksheets that we send out, especially for startups. And we say, you know, talk to us about your revenue, but let's also talk about your monthly expenses. And they always they always forget to put compensation of owners. They'll pay their employees, they'll pay their rent, they'll pay all these 
mandatory things, but they forget to put their own pay on there. And so if I send the template out to 10 people, probably eight of them will forget to pay themselves on paper. And so I always pick up the phone and call. I'll draft in the projections, and then I send it to them, and we'll have a meeting to review. And I'll say, hey, are you planning to do this for free? And they'll say, well, no. Like, well, you didn't talk about your own compensation. So um, we, we have that discussion frequently. And one thing that I tell them is you're accruing a lot of risk. You're maybe leaving a job. You're going into debt. You have these hats that you'll be wearing, and they'll be plentiful. Um, but you're not showing compensation for yourself. In some cases, businesses can't cash flow the owner a paycheck. So, you know, we have discussions on, well, are, is your pricing right? Or are you overspending in these areas? And then we obviously work to um, work a paycheck in for them. Um, but, you know, the reality is if you can't pay yourself, then maybe we need to look at the business model, compare you to the industry data, find out where you're going wrong. Uh, so on and so forth. So it does happen. We obviously want the entrepreneur to pay themselves. At that point, they're more bought in and they're dedicated to the success. They have a reason to get up in the morning because they're building wealth for their family, so on and so forth. But it does happen. Yeah, I did want to follow up in that. So you hear a lot of times about small businesses not making a profit the first year, but I guess people are misunderstanding that that means they don't get paid, but profit is different than your salary. Right. Yeah. Profit versus cash flow. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up in what is my profit? Well, profit can be easily manipulated. We see that all across the board, no matter which industry. What I focus on, especially for those new startup businesses within years one and two, I'm looking at cash flow on a month to month basis, money in versus money out. And hopefully a part of that money out is your salary. And so can the business Bring in more than it sends out on a month-to-month basis. That's what I focus on for my entrepreneur clients. How much do you have as a standard percentage, or is there a standard percentage or a formula for an operating budget for things like rent, salaries like we were just talking about, et cetera? There is not really a kind of a formula or a cookie-cutter approach. What we do is I always get the client to kind of show their cards first. You fill out what you believe it's going to cost you to operate this business. And then we have market research as part of our services here where I can pull industry data um, that says, okay, for a quick service restaurant, here's what the average expenditure is for rent or for salaries or payroll or advertising expense. And so if they come to me and they say, well, I'm going to spend, you know, 1% of my total revenue on advertising and I pull the industry report and it shows 5%. Uh, industry average, then I know, well, we have a conversation to talk about advertising. Mm, sure. Um, and so we, I always get them to kind of put their expectation for what they can do for revenue and expense down. And then I'll pull the peer data um, and I'll say, well, what, what makes you different? You know, how are you going to be able to outperform the industry in this area or underperform the industry in another area? And we have, that's the basis of our conversation. From there, we dial in those projections. We level set expectations. We bring people down to earth sometimes. And um, as part of that industry data is compensation of owners and what their peers typically pay themselves, so on and so forth. So the, I let the data do the talking to support, um, you know, kind of my suspicions or the points that I want to make with the client. 
That's a great service for you know your small business development centers that are across the country. That's a great, um, I guess, the fact that you can find out what's the standard helps you understand because a lot of people have no clue. And I don't know how many times we run an ad agency, people have asked, well, how much should we spend on marketing and advertising? Like we talked before about salaries being left off the line items, marketing tends to be left off. And then you see these businesses that spent so much time on signage, location, uniforms, menu items, whatever it is, but yet have spent nothing on advertising, and then they wonder why they go out of business. Do you find that that's also something that small business owners come to you and realize, oh, like you said, 1%, I should be spending 5 That's, you know, kind of new to them. Yes. I think it's very interesting, a small business owner's mindset. Oftentimes, when things are not going well, maybe customers aren't coming through the door, or they are, and they're not buying products, one of the first budgets that they cut is the marketing budget. And I always ask them, you know, does that make logical sense? People aren't finding you, therefore they're not buying things. We get monies tight, but shouldn't you be increasing your advertising budget or adjusting how you're spending that existing budget that you have to, you know, find ways to attract your target market? So we have consultants on staff that work with entrepreneurs through that. That's not me. I'm more of a financial um, guy. Capital access um, is my specialty. But we have two here in this specific office that they can walk you through that. Well, who is your target market and how do you reach them and what's it going to cost to do so? And these are all, this is at all locations across the country. These are free services for small business owners that I think it's great for people to, to know that it's out there. And we'll put a link to information on finding what chapter uh, near you in our show notes. Do you have a lot of couples that are coming in and asking for advice with starting business and consulting and that sort of thing? We definitely do. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I tell other consultants when they start and they have that first husband, wife that come in. And I say, you know, you'll have to walk that fine line of being a business consultant and a marriage counselor. (laughs) Because oftentimes, husband and wife are on very different pages. The husband is ready to bet the farm. You know, he has no problem putting a second on his house and anything that they can pledge, he'll pledge it. The wife is typically more conservative. Oh, no, we work really hard. This is the roof over our children's head. So I'm not ready to gamble it. And so we walk that fine line. There have been many, many times where husband and wife have been in my office and I ask a a question and it generates some spirited conversation between the two of them. And I just sit back. There was one time I left the room and I was just like, hey, you have all the time you need here. Talk that out because this is really, really important. Did you have to do much cleanup when you came back? They were pretty good, you know. They had said their piece. No broken windows or any of that? No, no damage, no damage. Do you have any other tips for couples who are setting up their budget and their business? Yes. Um, I think it's very, very important not to commingle funds, no matter if you're a husband-wife business or just a solo entrepreneur. But it's very easy to, to do that you know, as a husband-wife because some, in some cases, the husband and wife are both drawing salaries from the business. That is the only revenue or, or paycheck into the household. And so if there's a little extra money in the till at the end of the day and there's a bill or dinner that needs to be bought or something like that, um, you know, I've seen that happen many, many times. So don't commingle funds, have paychecks, legitimate paychecks or distributions that you're documenting, move funds from business to personal accounts. So you have that track record. And then the other thing, which is easier said than done, and that's just 
leave business at business. Um, you know, try to really focus on the family time at home and don't let what happened at work come into the household. And I know that's very, very challenging to do um, when it is your livelihood. But I think it's really important just to kind of level set, check it at the door, um, you know, as you walk into the house and then spend time as a couple with your family, your friends, and, and still have that boundary. Okay, for okay. our segment C, our yeah. final fun segment, I thought it's grilling season, summertime, although actually it is, but we don't do it because it's way too hot outside. <laughs> when it's hot, really, it's, really hot, it, that turns into uh, yeah, somewhat of a ninth level type of experience. Yeah, but you have been known to grill. So I went mm-hmm. online to find some questions from Food & Wine Magazine and the Food Network. So if these answers are incorrect, it's their fault, not mine. But I've got four questions I want to quiz you on about grilling. Can I give you constructive feedback at the end of it? Yes. Goody. Yeah. Oh, goody. Okay. Are you ready for the questions? Probably not. All right. Number one. Mm-hmm. That crusty part on the outside of a long smoked piece of meat is arguably the tastiest. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask a pitmaster for a taste, what's the name you'd call it? The husk? The ring? The bark? The angel's share? <laughs> Again, that's A, the husk. B, the ring. C, the bark. D, the angel's share. You know, I would say the ring, but that's that's a horror movie. That is a that, horror so movie. So if you ask about that, that's a horror movie. Don't say it three times. No, I just said it twice. Stop. So, okay. I don't think it's the husk because that's commonly used for, you know, corn and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a certain type of voice, husky voice. I think uh, it's going to be the bark. Ding, ding. Correct. Wow. Okay. Actually, should I have waited for the real sound effects? Are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. Pause. There you go. I am right. One for one. One for one. I knew you wouldn't think it was the angel share because that's. No, that's in bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah. All right. But good. So, so far, one correct answer. I feel better already. Okay. Number two. Mm -hmm. Which of these woods is not usually used to grill or smoke? Okay. Is it A? Cherry, B, pine, Mm -hmm. C, pimento, Mm -hmm. D, birch. Oh, man. So which of these is not usually used to grill or smoke? A, cherry, B, pine, C, pimento, D, birch. Pimento? I didn't come up with that. That was on the list. Yeah. I have no idea what that is. Um, I'm going to go with B, pine. You're correct. Pine yeah. makes for gorgeous furniture, but like most conifers, it's really not suitable for grilling or smoking because the end result can range from anywhere from off-tasting to toxic. So we, and that's that's something I, I try. The last cookout. <laughs> I try to avoid in all cookouts is anything yeah. that was toxic. So yes, the answer is Pine. Pine. I didn't know pimento was a wood. I thought it was. I don't know anything about pimento except it's stuffed cheese. in olives. Pimento or cheese. used in cheese. Well, there I I know more than I thought. Yeah. So you so far two for two. Came over, man. Good job. Okay, now this is going to be probably a little bit more difficult. Okay. 
That beer can chicken looks like it's just about done. But to make sure, what's the internal temperature you need to see that it's safe to eat? Oh, what yeah. is the internal temperature? I'm going to give you four choices. Okay. A, 135. B, 150. C, 165. D, 190. I'm going to go with C-165. Correct again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are you are the grilling king. Well, that's just from experience and not always positive experience. Oh. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And which, particularly chicken, because that's where we're talking, yeah. you know. Bad things can happen. Bad, real bad things yeah. can happen if you don't have the right internal temperature. Yeah. All right. Here's the last one. This is, you've been three for three. Hit wow. Me. All right. The first Weber grill was made from A, scrap metal from the Ford Motor Factory, B, surplus military bombshells, C, half a metal buoy, D, a discarded street lamp. The first Weber grill was made from A, scrap metal from the Ford Motor Company, B, surplus military bombshells, C, half a metal buoy, D, a discarded street lamp. Something is telling me I'm reaching into the grilling spirits. Mm-hmm. Closing my eyes. Let's dim the lights. <laughs> I think it is A, the Ford Motor answer. Wrong. Oh, no. Apparently, according to, again, the worldwide interwebs, mm-hmm. creator George Steffen took half a buoy added air vents and legs, and the original kettle grill was born. Oh, okay. But here's the deal. The first three are probably the most important because that's actually what, you know, what you can eat and how to grill and make sure no one dies and nothing's toxic. The last one, that's a bit of grilling history, and I think we'll we'll be okay with that. Yeah, you know what a big history buff I am, though. I feel like a failure. Oh, you shouldn't. Can you give me some constructive grilling feedback? Yes. Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com. To learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.